Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus far in our Everyone His Witness campaign for Easter, I know this is the first time I've told you that we're doing that, mostly we've just been informative. And I do hope that I have inspired you or inspired you maybe even just a little. But this week we want to sort of get back down to brass tacks. We want to we want to, to learn maybe some mechanics of witnessing. And don't worry, I'm not going to give you a script to memorize. I am not going to send you door to door. But we are going to learn something, I hope. And we're going to use for this the acronym LASSIE. Not the TV dog LASSIE, because that's still under copyright and we can't use that. But think of just some other dog named Lassie. Listen, ask, seek, share, invite, and encourage. Our first week, our lesson from our first reading works very well. We'll start with Philip. The first two letters of Lassie are L and A. Listen and ask. Ask questions. Listen to their answers. This goes back and forth. We call it a dialogue. The more we listen, the more questions we can ask. The more questions we ask, the more we learn. The more we learn, the more comfortable they get with us, the more comfortable we get with them, and we can learn sort of how to speak to them about Jesus. Now, not everybody lives in the same domain. I don't even know what to call these domains or categories or love languages. But we do know that there are certain kinds of people. There are head people. Head people are thinker peoples. They're talkers. They're philosophizers. They're readers. That doesn't mean they don't do every other thing, but they are more likely to get through to them if you talk with them on a, on a head basis, an intellectual basis. Other people are heart people. Heart people like squishy things. They like smoltsy things. They, they, what's the word for it? They, they feel. They feel, right? They, they love puppies and hearts and handwritten notes on lavender-scented vellum cards and things. And to tell you the truth, and by the way, you haven't figured it out, I am not a heart person. These people tend to, uh, they mystify me just a little bit. So if you're a heart person and I offend you somewhere in here, I don't do it on purpose. I just don't understand you. Other people are hands people. Hands people are worker bees. Hands people are busy bees. And for the most part, hands people could care less about what you think. And they could care less about what you feel. They're just ready to get something done. Scripture today, our three scripture lessons, I think talk about all three of these different languages. Head people, as you might realize, refers to people who are more cerebral. That doesn't mean that they are more cerebral. It just means that they think they're more cerebral. It does tend to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. People who like to talk about philosophy, read philosophy, they tend to be pretty good at philosophy. That's not because they're smarter than anybody else. It's just this is what they do with their spare time. So they do it and they like it, they enjoy it. 
They like to be intellectual. They like to be philosophical. These are deep thinkers. They're analyzers and synthesizers and formulizers. What drives them is understanding. What drives them are answers. We see this really good in Acts chapter 8 this morning with Philip. Philip is one of the deacons, one of the seven deacons of the early church, overseer of the food distribution to the widows. He's not one of the 12, but boy, this guy has been about the business of the church. The Lord has sent him on the road to Gaza to a desert place. And at the time, Philip didn't know it, but the Lord has sent him so that he might have a divinely appointed appointment. Can I get away with that? A divinely appointed appointment with an Ethiopian. The Ethiopian is sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah chapter 53. Now this scroll that he has bought, Isaiah 53, your personal scroll, maybe he's taking this back to Queen Candace and he used her money for it. And he's like, I'm going to read this before I get home. You'll notice that this is an extraordinarily expensive thing to buy. And he doesn't seem to be able to wait to get home to read it. He's just stopped on the side of the road because you don't read scrolls and drive. Even the ancient people knew that you don't text and drive, right? So he pulls his chariot over to the side of the road and he's reading the scroll. And God has sent Philip here. And the Ethiopian's reading and Philip encounters him and he runs up to the chariot and he hears the man reading. Some people are like, why does he hear the man reading? Because in the old days, people used to read out loud. That's the way they did it. This sort of reading in your head is a relative new thing in the world. I mean, by new, we're Lutherans. I mean new, I mean like 3,000 years. <laughs> but it's a relatively new thing. When I read, I read really, really slow. I read, I can hear my voice in my head. And if it's an author that I know and I know what they sound like, I can actually hear their voice in my head. I don't read like paragraphs at a time. He's reading this out loud because that's the way people used to read and he runs up to the chariot and goes do you understand what you're reading you now get this here he's already listened and now he asks he listens and he asks now it's not a particularly open-ended question to tell you the truth but it did but it does the trick it gets the conversation started it prompts this very important ethiopian to invite philip to come up into his Cadillac SUV, you know, monstrosity of a chariot. These things are really expensive too. This is an important guy to sit and have a discussion about what he's reading. Further opening the doors, the fact that he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, this is about the suffering servant. This chapter is Isaiah seeing from afar Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of the world. Woohoo! This is not an accident. This is divinely appointed. And here we have this biblical witness. It's not a monologue. He's not on the side of the road accosting people as they walk by going, do you know Jesus? And if you don't, you're going to die and go to hell. I'm not saying that doesn't have value. I'm just saying I wouldn't do it. It's a two-way street. It's a dialogue. He listens and he asks, and he listens, and he asks, and he listens, and he asks, and he listens, and he asks. We can also see from this account, it's a good connection between the two men on a thinking level. Philip asks questions, do you understand? And he asks for an explanation. Likewise, the question, uh, Philip, this is informational. 
There's nothing in this text to, success, to suggest that their dialogue has anything to do with feelings. <laughs> nothing more than. They're not working either. I like to think that Philip explains quite a bit of theology to this man. They're talking for quite some time, and they're talking and they're explaining and listening, explaining and talking. At one point, they come up to a place where there's water, and the Ethiopian looks over at Philip and goes, there's water right here. Maybe I should be baptized. Wow. Doesn't say anything about emotions. But the Ethiopian does go about his way, rejoicing. He gets there. But the primary dominion of their conversation was in their head. Personally, this is my favorite way of doing things. I'm a head guy. I like heads. They're great. For others, for other people, they're not going to work well. For other people, they're going to want hearts. This refers to people who are most comfortable in the feelings department. They like to feel. They don't think so much. <laughs> Again, that's my apologies. That's, oh, why do I do that? It's not a joke. It's not, and I don't mean to. I don't mean to make fun of anybody. I really don't. I just can't help myself. It is really, and I, this is complete serious. This is. It is really hard to be a heart person in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. We are not geared that way. Our greatest question is, what does this mean? I don't think I've ever asked you, how does this make you feel? <laughs> I don't do that. I don't ask you how this makes you feel. I don't even know how I feel half the time. I'm not going to ask you how you feel. When you talk to a heart person about the things of God, they're most likely going to talk to you about their emotional state. They're going to be more attuned with their attitudes. They're going to be more in tune with feelings. And I'm using feelings a lot only because I don't know of any other word to use. But it's feelings, it's emotions, it's attitude. It's all got to be sort of going on with your guts, so to speak, as opposed to your head. Often, many times, they're much more concerned about how other people feel. They're very emotive. They're very feelings for other people. They're much more considerate of other people's feelings. I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time processing my own feelings, much less processing somebody else's feelings. You get a couple of hard people together, they're talking about the feelings of the entire world. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. And you want to tell me how are other people feeling? Perhaps we can see the heart-oriented person in the disciple that Jesus loved, namely John, from our epistle reading for today, 1 John chapter 4. And John's gospel entirely, to tell you the truth. And you might even make the argument that Revelation itself is extremely emotionally driven. It'll help you understand the book of Revelation, to tell you the truth, if you realize that John is a very emotional guy. He reads, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to become an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us, we ought to love one another. Beloved, 
Turn our hearts unto God. Turn our feelings unto God. Turn our emotions unto God. Now, by the way, the head-oriented person is like, oh, are we talking about love again? Let's go to Romans 8. Ephesians 1. Something not so mushy. Finally, we come to hands, people. Now, hands people have heads, they can think. And I've been told that they also have feelings. But the bottom line, they're usually about getting things done. Accomplishing something worthwhile. Hands people are mission people. They're mission-minded. They're action-oriented. Hands people, by the way, hands people will go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic even though they don't believe in God. You tell them, hey, we're going to go on a mission trip and we're going to do poor th- do great works for poor people in a foreign country. And they're like, I'm all in. Who's this God you're talking about? <laughs> well, I don't believe in that, but I'll go anyway. It sounds like good work to me. Now, that's not to mean that they can't involve themselves in a heady discussion. That doesn't mean that they don't have hearts that feel. Many times, hand people are driven by their hearts which they've buried very deep (laughs) and they let out ever so often with working for people who in need. Sometimes their brains are what push them into action. I believe we can see this illustrated in our gospel reading for today. If there was ever a person, if there was ever a person on this planet who had a really good balance of head, heart, and hands, it's Jesus. When it's all said and done, there's always a lot more said than done. Jesus said a lot, but he did a lot. And he did it because he loved us. It's hard to get things done. Especially when you got a couple of head people sitting around writing manuals and a couple of heart people wringing their their hands going, how's this going to make everybody feel? It's hard to be a hands person when you got heads and hearts running around. Hang in there. Bear with them. Jesus very much was aware of his reason for being. He was very aware of the mission that had been sent for him to accomplish. His father had given him a vitally, vitally important mission to to, to do. And speaking of that saving work through suffering and death and the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Again, we can see the illustration in today's readings. Jesus describes himself as the true vine. He describes himself as the true branches. He points not simply to to ourselves. He doesn't point us to other people, but he points us to be close to him. As I am the vine and you are the branches, Jesus wants us to hang out with him, but he also wants us to bear fruit. Remain in me and I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The downside with the hand people is sometimes they're, they're so involved in getting things done, they forget why they're doing it. God is even willing to do whatever is necessary to achieve optimal production. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. We can say a lot more. Nobody lives in just one of these categories. Some people are hands and hearts. Other people are heads and hands. Some are heads and hearts. 
It's not a perfect system. It's just an illustration to try to get you to think as you're talking with your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones and the people that you really care about when you listen to what they have to say to ask the good questions and then think about these things. What might speak to them about the work of Jesus in the world? We, we live in different categories at different times of our lives. We're, we're not monoliths. The categories play around a little bit. I mean, you look at book clubs. There's a lot of different kind of book clubs. My book club, pastor's book club, hardcore thinking book club. We pick hard books. We read them for months on a time, and we'll read chapter by chapter, sometimes line by line, talking about what does this mean at this church the ladies also have a book club and i'm not convinced you even have to read that book to, to be i've thought about doing that and unfortunately some of them are here today i was going to do that at one point i was just going to read the back cover and the last chapter and just go hey i read the book and this is how i felt about it done give me the mugu by guy pan my my point here is there's not one is not better or worse than the other. I have preferences, you have preferences, but we're not making value statements about one or the other. Our point is, as you witness, as you talk to your family and friends about the, the massive work that God has done for us, what might they be interested in, in being in? Worship's not always going to be your first step. I know we like to think, you know, invite people to worship. Sometimes that's not your first step. Our worship tends to be very heady. There's almost no hands to it, and there's some heart stuff to it, but it's, it's mostly head stuff. You know, would your friend rather pull limbs or pull at heartstrings? Would they feel better writing a note, a heartfelt note? Would they feel better writing a sonnet? Would they feel better writing a technical manual? In our announcements page, you'll notice that we try to categorize all of our events. And sometimes there's more than one event, but these are, these are you see the little Lego guy, the little Lego face? That's, that's a head event. We talked about putting a little brain there, but we thought that was kind of gross. But that little Lego face, that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's a heady thing. If you've got a heady friend that you're not going to invite him to something, and you don't think that worship's maybe their first thing, maybe that heady thing, or the heart thing, or the hand thing. I think the heart and the hands are pretty ears. I just like our little Lego. By the way, we're not using the, uh, the Lego that is covered by copyright, Disney. This, this is just a regular round head with a little thing on top of it. Just nothing to see here. May we look in our communications as we ask and as we receive and as we learn what people might be able to use to connect them to the love of Jesus effectively, that we might share Christ as powerfully as we can in the language that they can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.